If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus. If you go to chapter 4 and just hang out there for a while. Uh, I want to speak to you today for a little while on learning to speak. Everybody say that with me, learning to speak. What is it? Oh, everybody say learning to wait. <laughs> okay, I, I thought, I kept thinking something, I was missing something. Boy, we had a great time in the first service. How many of you were here? Okay, so, all right, so here we go. Are you ready? Today we're honoring our veterans. We had, we had in the first service, we had people from every branch of service in here. So let's, let's, see, let's see if we can do that again, okay? So here we go. Are you ready? Start with the Army. If you're from the Army, you hear your song, come forward.
today we honor you for your service to this country. And I was standing here looking and I thought, you know what? There are several branches of service that are represented, but they're all on the same team. And I thought about that's the way it is in the army of God. There are several gifts in the body, but we're all on the same team. We thank God for these men and women that sacrificed and gave of their life so we could have freedom here in this country. Give them one more big hand. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much for letting me, for reminding me of that. I'd have never lived that one down. <laughs> Amen. Thank you again for serving. I, let's have a word of prayer, can't we? I, I need it. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your goodness. We just ask you to have your way in here today. God, we are grateful for this country. Father, we could have been born anywhere, but you caused us to be born here. Help us to be grateful for that, to be thankful for it, and we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when you're learning to speak, how many of you remember your first word? You remember your first word? Todd's got his hand up. What was it? Lunch? <laughs> Help. <laughs> so we, we grow up and we develop our ability to speak. It's, it, it's something that you grow into, and sometimes we don't even realize the impact that things can have around us. I, I was traveling, and when I was traveling, we wound up in Mississippi for several months preaching revival, and when we left there, my daughter had picked up their accent. So when she came back to Missouri, you know, it was, hey, y'all, and, you know, and, and, and I, I mean, she just started naturally to develop that. And I thought, isn't it odd you can take a baby and take that baby and put it in the South and it talks like Ray, hey, from Georgia. <laughs> and, you know, you know, he was originally from Georgia, honey. He was a transplant to Louisiana. He was trying to make his way North. And then, <laughs> and then or, or you can take that same baby and take it up to New York, and it talks like Todd. How you doing? <laughs> and, it's, and, and so the influence of our geographical location plays a huge part in how we speak. Who you hang around it's going to have a Im big impact on what you say and how you say it. Are you with me? I've got a, uh, about a 17, 18-month-old grandson, and he's talking up a storm. Debbie went in to see him the other day, and he started asking her questions. He looked at her and said, I mean, he had the gesture, he had the facial expression, and, and Debbie answered him, and, and he goes, blah, 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 bl
He told my son off for about five minutes the other day when he took a ball away from him. And so he's, 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 he doesn't even know what, well, he knows what he's saying, but nobody else has been able to figure it out. And so, yeah, God knows what he's saying. And, and so that, that's part of learning to speak. And the thing is, is that as we grow and we learn, we speak differently. Now, I, I have a clip from a very famous singer. Uh, she was two years old at the time. And uh, she's continued her career. Uh, she's five now. It's my granddaughter. And uh, I, I want you to listen to her as Jasmine and Debbie come up and for, to help me out. Okay, are you ready? Roll that clip, please. They're going to play it one more time. I want you to watch her facial expressions and see how she has nailed this song. <laughs> All right. Now, how many of you know that song? How many of you know that song? Now, and, and th didn't, she, didn't she kill it? Didn't she do a great job on that song? I mean, I, I was so proud of her. I'm the one that taught her that song. And uh, I'm serious. I'm, and so, and, and, and now I've asked Debbie and Jasmine to sing that song for us. Okay. okay. The issue, busy spider, cut up the water spout. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Out came the sun and dried up all the wind. The itsy bitsy spider cleaned up the spout again. <laughs> there, there, now, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, this congregation is a wonderful, loving congregation because you just applauded for two grown women talking like babies. Thank you. Give them another big hand. So, see, the idea is that we learn to speak and, and we encourage each other and we celebrate that. And so when there's a two-year-old singing a song like that, everybody is, oh, that's so wonderful, that's so marvelous. But the truth is, if Debbie and Jasmine show up next week for praise and worship Sunday morning and they start singing like that, we're all going to try and get them help immediately. Because we're thinking, man, what, what's wrong? There's something wrong with the way they're communicating. We have to grow into the way we speak. Amen? I thought about 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It said, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. That we grow in our ability to communicate, or we ought to. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Some of you got me concerned that you're going home going, I don't know what to do after. <laughs> so we're, we, we try and grow in that. Now, look, when I was in the first grade, I had speech class. 
they were grooming me. But my speech class was not taking me aside and teaching me how to make a presentation to people. They were trying to straighten out my TH sounds, my R's and my S's. So they took me in. They'd come and get me out of class, walk me down the hall, and put me in another class with a teacher that would stand at, that sat at the table with me and go, Do that, do that. Y'all laughing at me? They say, they, they say make this, make this sound. So I go, you know, to this day, I'm thinking, what in the world was I doing? That they put me in that class and had me set through that. I thought, I don't know how I was making my TH sounds. But they, I had to work on my TH sounds. I had to work on my S's. So we would go for, for the class, snake. Sally sells sea shells down by the sea shore. Ours. Er. Er. I felt like a rooster when I came out of that class. Er, er. <laughs> Had me working on R's, on S's, on TH's. But the truth was, is what they were trying to do was they were trying to help me develop my ability to speak. Because if I had been let go, I might still deal with that. And I thought, that, I thought about that later, and I thought, that, that seems so strange that I, I, you know, as a child, that they're having to take me aside to help me to enunciate, and now I do that every week. I sit before a group of people and go, See, you, you, thank you. <laughs> Praise God, I got a witness in the back. You, you, you've got, you have no idea how, well, maybe you do, but struggling with pronouncing words and sounds can really affect a person's confidence. And it can make you feel like you're not good enough or you're not able. When we, we went to Mexico, we, we did mission work down there for years. And, you know, I, learning to speak the language. And I, 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 one of the ones I, I learned very quickly was, como se dice en español? How do you say this in Spanish? And then I'd hold up whatever it was. But how, how many of you know in Spanish, your R's roll? Are, are you familiar with it? Can, how many of you can roll your R? Come here a second. Come here. Okay. So I, w I want you to say something in Spanish, just talking to the side of my cheek. <laughs> and to roll your R. Perro. Say it again. Perro. You hear that? Perro. Yeah, dog. Say, say it one, one more time. Perro. Wait, try, try it this way. Do, do, it, do it from behind me. You ready? Perro. <laughs> I'll you right now. That's about the only way it's going to come out of my mouth, man. I tried for years to roll my R's and give him a big hand. Thank you. I tried for years to roll my R's and could not, for those of you that were on this side of the building when he spoke, I opened my mouth and they thought it was me. Oh, they saw it up there. Sorry about that. My next class is going to be about attention deficit disorder or something. 
So, so what happened is that, that can have a, an impact on you and it, it can make you insecure and, and it can affect not just the way you feel about yourself, but how you approach life. Just ask Moses. Chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Man, look at that. God's saying, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Just go. And so Moses jumped up, and he said, I'm going. No, he didn't. Look at what he did. Even after God tells him that, it says, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. So this is what God says. God says, all right, look, I'm going to tell you what to say, and you're going to tell Aaron what to say, and then Aaron will tell the people in Pharaoh. Do you notice anything unusual about that? Something that, that you really need to pick up on, and it's this, that Moses' excuse to God did not change God's mind concerning him. Yo, you, you need, that was a lot better than you sounded. <laughs> I said, Moses' excuse to God did not change God's mind concerning him. Let me, let, let me make it clear. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You may feel like I'm not good enough. I can't. I, I'll never be able. And that's not changing God's mind. God's saying, no, I chose you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to raise you up. You can use every excuse you want. You can throw it my way. But my answer is still get on board. I, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to give up on you. I am going to use you. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. God did not accept the excuse. The scripture says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. What's that mean? It means that God's not going to change his mind. God's not going back on what he called you to do, regardless of what a failure you feel like. Have any of you felt like a failure? I got some confident folks in here, man. I've, I've, I've experienced that. I've had talks with God and said, God, I, I don't even know why you chose me. I don't get it, God. I don't know why you would even use me. 
I've, 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 I've talked to God before and said, God, if I were you, I'd have given up on me a long time ago. But he's not me. And I'm not him. And aren't you glad? Because <laughs> God is not going to throw you away. He's not going to give up. Even if you fall flat on your face, I need a volunteer. Michael, come up here a minute. No, no, right here. Fall flat on your face. Do I really have to? Yeah, I mean, don't, don't break a nose or anything. You can, you can bend. No, 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 just bend down and go down like that. Huh? There you go. Now, when, when you fall on your face, God doesn't come up and step on you and, and walk over the top of you. He doesn't go, you know what? You, you're never going to mount to any. Get out of my way, man. Just get, No, what God does is he comes by, he looks at you, and picks you up, and he says, come on, I'm not done with you yet. You're not going to stay lying down there. He dusts you off, and he said, now let's do it again. Thank you, Michael. Give him a hand, would you? He says, let's, let's do it again. He's not going to give up on you. Learning to speak How many of you know that Moses wasn't the only one that tried to get out of a job? You sitting next to someone? <laughs> Man, I made a career trying to get out of a job when I was a kid. I was trying to figure out how I got out of packing out trash. Washing. Didn't work out. I had a father that believed in me. No matter what I said... He said, no, you're not getting out of it. You're going to do it. But, Dad, Daryl packs the trash out so much better than I do. No. Daryl, I've got another call for Daryl's life. You're going to do it, and you're going to perfect it, and you're going to get it right. Now, look, if you've got an earthly father that believes in you that much... <laughs> How much more does your heavenly father believe in you? He's going, to, he's going to see you through it and help you do it. I said God's going to see you through it and help you do it. You remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah's a young man and God calls him and he says, I, I can't go, Lord. He said, I, I, I can't do that. I'm just a child. Did the Lord say, oh, you're right. You know, I'll find somebody else. No, he said, don't, don't, don't tell me, don't say you're a child. He said, I, I've called you. He said, I've put a word in your mouth. Don't, don't fear their faces. I'm going to be with you. And Jeremiah found out that God meant what he said. That when God calls you to do something, even though you may feel ill-equipped to do it, he puts something in you. I said, he put something in you to help you do I, you, you know, I had some trouble a couple months ago, right? Y'all remember, nothing was moving. I'm here to tell you that they gave me something that went in me and something started moving. You, 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 you need to get this. 
See, we, we do things all the time in our natural life that have a spiritual application and we never see it. Uh, we get to where we can't move physically, our, our bowels are bound up, they're not moving, and we take things, uh, we put things in us uh, that causes us to begin to move. Uh, and then when it comes to moving out for God uh, and standing on his authority and believing that he's going to do it, we get fearful. Don't you think God is big enough and bad enough rough enough and got stuff enough to put something in you that's going to move you ask Jeremiah all these people didn't want to hear what Jeremiah said Jeremiah didn't run into a crowd that was going oh preach Jeremiah Jeremiah they're looking at him they're putting him down they're they're threatening him and Jeremiah finally sits down and says you know I got a bad hip no I'm kidding oh God forgive me don't speak that stuff out that was just an example of what not to do. <laughs> Jeremiah sits down and he says, you know what? I'm done. I'm, I am not saying another word. I'm not going to speak his name. I'm done. And then all of a sudden, Jeremiah felt something inside that started moving him. I'm not, I'm, I'm, oh God. And he said it was like a fire that was shut up in his bones. And he said he finally said, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I, I'll do it. See, what God does is he doesn't save us to sit on a pew and wait and see if we're able to make it until rapture comes. He saves us, puts a word in us, allows experiences of life to happen to us that he's going to use and cultivate to be able to minister to someone else. And he's saying, you're not going to sit on that. I'm going to build a fire in you that's going to cause you to stand up and declare God's able, he's well, and he's strong. David had his own men talking about stoning him. The Bible said that David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. I don't know what he said, but whatever he said made 600 men drop rocks and strap on their swords and say, we're with you, Dave. <laughs> we're with you. I'm telling you, God can put something in you that's more powerful than you can possibly fathom. There have been times in my life that things started coming out of my mouth, and while they were coming out of my mouth, in my head I was going, where is that coming from? God isn't interested in us being, you know, a, a, a super genius. He's just inter interested in us being a conduit that he can flow through. And when we allow him to flow through us, wonderful things happen. Jeremiah would write later through a prophetic utterance, and he would talk about how that God equips you for what he asks you to do. He, he, he tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What's he doing? How many of you have ever been in a place where you felt like, God, I don't have a clue what's going on? You've been there? 
Let's be honest with each other. Have you ever gotten into a place where you felt you were a little disappointed with God? Where you're like, I can't believe you let this happen. I, I can't believe this is, this is going on. And in the, now, hear me close, because in the process of learning to speak, we also have to learn when not to speak. I've told you my life story about my family. Paul was always getting a whipping. And Paul, when we got older, Paul said, our dad was abusive. My older brother said, Paul, dad wasn't abusive. You were just stupid. <laughs> he said, and, and I remember, man, I'm, I, I was a small, I was the youngest. And I'm, I would watch it happen. I would watch dad tell Paul, okay, I've heard enough. But Paul hadn't quite felt like he'd said enough yet. And so it wasn't working out. I remember watching my older brother standing next to Paul going, shut up, Paul. Shut up, Paul. Dad's getting mad. You better shut up, Paul. And then finally, Paul, uh, finally, Paul keep going. And then dad would jump up and he, and all he had to do to save himself all that pain was, well, I was going to say be quiet try to use the nice word. <laughs> but how many of you know that sometimes we need to learn how to be quiet? Especially when you don't understand what's happening around you. When you're going through things that you don't understand and you're trying to figure all that out you have to really guard your mouth. Just like when I got down there and just jokingly said that, you know, when that made that noise and jokingly said I got in trouble with my hip. But the truth is, is that your words are powerful. And not only that you remember that angels are messengers, right? And so angels take hold of words. Angels carry God's word and would take it to its furthest good. But how many of you know that there's some fallen angels? And so because angels are messengers by nature, fallen angels, what do you think they do with words? They seize on your words and try and carry it to your furthest destruction to undo you. That's why the Bible said that we're snared by the words of our mouth. And so we have to learn when to speak, how to speak, what to speak, and when to be quiet. Think about Job. Job loses everything. And after he's lost everything, Job is saying, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job is still intact. He's still got everything going on. And even to the point that the devil shows up before God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? Even though you moved me against him to take what he's got, he still maintains his integrity. And the devil looked at him and said, skin for skin. A man will give everything he has for his own skin. And so he allows Satan to touch Job. He said, you can't take his life. Job is covered with boils. His wife looks at him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? His friends all gather around and start saying, you know what? You really must be sinning bad for all this stuff to have happened to you. 
And Job hadn't sinned at all. But they start throwing off on him and saying all these things. So all of a sudden, Job, he starts speaking out things that he normally wouldn't have said. And he, with all this piling up on him, Job goes, you know what? I wish that God would appear before me as my judge so I could plead my case before him. Then I would find out what, you know, what's going on, why all this is happening to me. How many of you know there's a time where you just have to be still and know that he's God? There's a, there, there are times that you just have to trust God and sit in his presence and not try and speak. If you're going to speak, you better speak life. Because if you're not speaking life, you're speaking to your own destruction. So all of a sudden, God answers Job. And listen to what God says to him. This is in Job 40, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Job, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I've said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Wow. <laughs> have you ever been there before where all of a sudden you, you started saying, you started speaking about things that you didn't know the whole story, and you start just judging something according to what you know. And, and man, how many of you have ever, how can I say this? How many of you have ever really gotten on a racehorse with your words when it came to speaking the wrong things? Anybody? Isn't it amazing how quick it happens? You think I'm just, you know, trotting along here and just, yeah, and then all of a sudden somebody cuts you off in traffic. There are people that have gotten into Black Friday. There are, my, my, I, I don't go. I think that's a safety hazard. My daughter has gone before and came back and said, Dad, I watched two women get in a knockdown drag out over some doll. I'll make you one. <laughs> Just don't. It, it's amazing how our emotions can get triggered so quick. And then all of a sudden, the devil is seizing our words and he's trying to keep them pouring out of our mouth because he's saying, Oh, they're giving me stuff to work with. They're really providing me some ammunition. Grab that word. Grab that. We're going to use it against them. Aren't you glad to know that there's a God that's still able to reach down in the midst of our mess and say, Hold it. You're not going any further. And arrest us this is what you have to remember job didn't know job didn't know that god always planned to restore him job didn't know that god wasn't going to leave him in the shape he was in and job didn't know that god had been bragging on him job didn't know that Job just found himself going through things that he didn't understand, and he felt like, man, if God loves me, why am I going through this? 
If God cares about me, why am I going through? Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth because Calvary settled the question of God's love once and for all. For God so loved the world that he gave. Don't ever let the devil get that out of your mouth. When you begin to feel those things, you just need to say, you know what, God? I don't understand what's happening, but I know you love me. I I know you care about me. I I know you understand my situation and my dilemma, and I'm going to trust you. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. I'm going to trust you, Lord. Everybody say, I trust him. I think about how that uh, God changes us. How many of you feel like God has changed you since you started living for him? Anybody? You know, if there hasn't been a change, then there's something wrong with the plumbing. <laughs> If God has touched your heart and you're still the same old person, then something's wrong. I think about how many of you have ever had to do something you were afraid of doing? What'd you do? You had to do it afraid, right? You had to do it afraid. I can't tell you how many times God's asked me to do something, and I had to do it afraid. You have any idea what it's like when all of a sudden God says, I want you to take a group of people to another country you've never been to, and you're going to lead them, and I'm, going, and I'm thinking, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even, I don't even know. I, 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 the first time I'm going into these places, I'm thinking, I don't even know what I'm going. I'll never forget there was a brother on a plane, a pastor on a plane, and, and I was going back to Russia. And I'm sitting there on that plane, and the devil is bombarding me with all these thoughts. You out of your mind, man. You don't have a clue what you're doing. You're bringing these folks over here. You, what, are you, what are you even doing? And, and I, I, I sat there, and I, I turned around, and I looked at that guy, and I said, his name was David. And I said, David, I said, I'm not even sure what I'm doing, why, why I'm going here. I just had felt this, this burning in me. And David looked at me, and I'll never forget, he looked at me and he said, you know, Rick, he said, the Scripture says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He said, well, let's just let God order our steps while we're here. Oh, man, that took so much pressure off of me. And do you know what happened? By the time that trip was over, I'd had a meeting in the mayor's office in St. Petersburg, a a city of 6 million people. I'm sitting down in the mayor's office, and now I've got permission to come back and go to the school and pass out Bibles in their public school. They said, what do you want? I'm sitting in that office. I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head thinking, I'm not even sure how I got in here. <laughs> and they say, they, they say to me, they say, hey, what do, you, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to pass out the Bible in your public schools. And they looked at me and they said, and I, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, man. Oh. They said, that would be wonderful. And then they said, hey, could you come and teach the Bible in our public school? I said, that would be wonderful. And so for the next several years, that's what I did. What are you saying? I'm saying that when you trust God and you quit trying to figure it out and quit speaking death to the life and the purpose that God has in you, then you're going to see his hand work like you've never seen it work before. I need to revisit a scripture, and we're going to pray here in just a second.
Exodus 11 and 4. Remember Moses? We talked about him a little earlier. You remember? God, send somebody else. Send anybody else. Send, uh, you know, I, I can't talk. I can't talk. Watch this. I love this. Exodus 11 and 4. Then Moses said. Oh, you didn't, you didn't catch that. <laughs> then Moses said. Not Aaron said or God said, but Moses said. This guy that was scared to death to talk is now talking. And he's talking to the most powerful ruler in the known world, in the earth at that time. He's talking to Pharaoh. I want you to listen to his conversation. This doesn't sound like a man that's afraid. Listen to his conversation. This is Moses. Thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne even to the firstborn of the female servant who is, beyond, or is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be such a cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall it be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue, against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. After that, I will go out. Then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. This man that had been afraid to speak is now speaking with an authority and a boldness and a confidence to the ruler of the earth at that time to Pharaoh and telling him where the road meets the or where the rubber meets the road. He's laying it on the line with him and then he ends it by saying, and when this happens, your people are going to come and bow down to me and ask me to get out of here. He said, that's when I'm going to go. And he turned around and walked out. You, you need to hear me. We've allowed, we've allowed the world to intimidate us. We've allowed people around us to intimidate us. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Oh, you're just, a, you're just a fanatic. It doesn't matter what they call you. You're a child of God. You're a king's kid. You've got royal flood flowing through your veins. He's got a word for you to speak, and it's time to declare it. The, the book of Psalms says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You don't have a right to remain silent. If he's redeemed you, you've got an obligation to tell it. Folks say, well, I'm just afraid. I'm just, do it afraid. Do it afraid. Do you, everybody thinks Debbie was like she is now when I met her. She wasn't. I threw up a speaker on her front porch to do a street service, and she went in the house and hid. She didn't want no, no part of that. But I watched something happen to her. After I married her, after we were on the field, I watched God begin to deal with you. I could take you, the restaurant was Western Sizzling. It was in Cleveland, Mississippi. And I was getting up, we were getting up to leave and she looked at me and she said, go ahead and go in the car. I'll be out in a minute. I'm thinking, what's she doing, giving me the brush off? 
But what was going on was God was dealing with her heart. She was having a Jeremiah moment. God had pointed out a woman in that restaurant and said, talk to her. And Debbie was so afraid, her heart was pounding. And she said, God, if this is really what you want, then you let her walk out of that door again. And man, guess who come walking out of that door? And when Debbie got done, there was a fire that was shut up in that girl's bones. It ignited a storm that kept going and kept burning. Somebody hear what I'm saying today. God wants to use you. Would you stand with me? So this is what I want you to do. I want you... Let me, let me share this and I'm going to pray with you, okay? There's a story of... of there's a township. It was around a town of 50,000 people college in the town, they invited a, an or, a great orator to come in and speak. It was being held in a civic building. It was open. The place was packed. The guy came in and he spoke and he read from Hamlet. He, he read Plato. He read Socrates and everybody applauded him. And at the end of the night, he was going to end with the 23rd Psalm. And he read the psalm, and while he's reading the psalm, there was a young man in the back that no one really noticed. And while he's reading that psalm, God started speaking to that young man, and he said, I want you to go up front and read that psalm. He said, God, I can't do that. He said, man, he said, this, he said they're here to hear him, not me. I can't do that. It wouldn't leave him. And it kept getting stronger and stronger until it was like a fire that was shut up in his bones. He started making his way from the back of that building toward the front. When he got to the front, people started to take notice of him and he stepped up on stage and approached the podium just as the man had finished. You know, everybody had applauded him and had applauded the order and he came and the man that had organized the event went out and meet, met him and stopped him and said, son, what are you doing? What do you, what do you want? He said, I need to read that psalm. He said, son, he said, you can't do that. And the orator said, no, let him read it. Let him read it. And so the young man began, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And suddenly something happened across that auditorium. There was a presence that began to sweep over that place and you could hear people begin to break. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. By the time he got to, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Everybody in that place was weeping and he just closed the book and started to walk off the platform. And the man that organized the event ran out to him and said, wait a minute. Wait, you can't go. I don't understand what just happened here. He pointed at the order and he said, he read that psalm and everyone applauded him. But young man, you've touched everyone's heart. There's not a dry eye in this building. How do you explain that? 
And the young man looked at him and he said, it's really very simple. He knows the psalm, but I know the shepherd. That's what makes all the difference. That's what makes all, you, you understand what I'm saying? When you know the shepherd, you won't have to worry about your abilities or your inabilities because you know the shepherd and the shepherd will keep you. The shepherd will make a way for you. This is what I'm going to ask you to do today. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So oftentimes we don't understand that and we speak things carelessly. Today, I'm going to ask you to find someone to speak to. It may be a family member. It may not be a family member. But today, I want to teach you about speaking life. Would you find someone right now? Go ahead, find, find someone. Raise your hand when you got somebody. Folks have got someone. Just what are you, You're not getting out of this building until you find someone. Lock the doors in the back. Don't let them out. What are you, just get someone. and, and then, now let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. And then I'm going to help you do that, all right? When I came in here early this morning, I talked to... Thank you. Don't ever forget your name again. I, I talked to Leonard, and, and Leonard was saying, he was saying, you know, I don't know why I'm still around here. I don't know why the Lord hasn't gone ahead and taken me. And I thought, look, man, the reason you're still here is because God's got a purpose for your life. The reason you're still here is because there are people that need to hear your story. Well, I've told my story. Tell it again. Tell it again and tell it again because we forget so quickly. And folks need to know that when you're down and out and you've lost your health and you've lost hope that there's a God that can restore it and bring it back to you. Speak life. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get someone by the hand, look them right in the eye right now, and repeat after me. Come here. Repeat after me. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Okay, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a look of confidence on your face because I don't want the person you're talking to to see a face that looks like they don't have a clue what they're talking about. So get, get a, a look of confidence on your face like this. I'm telling you right now. Go, go on, look them right in the eyeball. I'm telling you right now. Look, it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It doesn't matter what other people said about you or how they treated you. You need to understand that your Father in heaven loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you, and he's going to see it fulfilled. So don't worry about what anybody else is saying. Don't worry about what people say or think. Just follow after him with all your hearts. And let that fire that you feel down inside begin to blaze until all of a sudden you find yourself in the midst of people declaring the goodness of God and letting them know how good God has been to you. Come on now and give my a hand clap of praise in this house. We're learning to speak. We're learning to declare some things. I, 
Let me say this, and I, I'm going to let you go, I promise. I lost track of time. Oh, flashlight's going, it's time. <laughs> when he flashes that, it means I got 30 more minutes. No, I'm kidding, I'm almost done. So, and those that know me know I love Christmas. But Christmas has always been kind of bottled up inside of me. And Debbie and I were traveling one day, and she said, she looked over at me, and it was like she read my mind. She said, I know you want to do it, so go ahead and do it. I said, you sure? Yeah, go ahead and do it. So I, I, I whipped off, I, I pulled the car off the side of the road, jumped out, stood up and yelled, Merry Christmas, everybody! When it's in you, it's got to come out of you. God's put it in there. Now you need to let him bring it out of you. Look, if you're in this house today and you've got a need, you've got a situation going on, and you need life spoken to it, we want to speak to that for you today. God is able. God can do it. Well, I, I was talking to Ray. You know, Earlene had been struggling and battling, and, and they told her, this last time she went in, you know, because she kept losing. Is it okay for me to share this? I guess I should have asked before I started. <laughs> she kept losing, you know, like pieces of flesh. It was, you know, blood. And, and they went in, you know, and they, they were, you know, they told her she had cancer and all this. And when they went in to examine her, everybody had been praying. When they went in to examine her, they told her, they said, that cancer is disintegrating. It's falling apart and it's going out of your body. Speak life. Speak life. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, there's a God that's bigger than your problem. There's a God that's bigger than your situation, so speak life to it. I'm going to give you one more moment. If you're here, you've you got a need, we want to pray for you. Stretch your hands to heaven with me. Father, we thank you for this young girl pray your blessing over her life, God. Use her for your glory in Jesus' name. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all.
by the hand and say it with me. Today, we declare life. I'm learning to speak brand new. <laughs> Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. God bless you.